0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrooks. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go play at labbrooks.com, 18plus be T's and C's apply.
1: Hello and welcome to Premier League All Access with me Sam Matterface and alongside me as always is TalkSports Chief Football Correspondent Alex Crook and it's a big welcome back to everyone's favourite next model, or oh, was it Grand's catalogue, I can't remember, but the former favourite Chelsea Charlton, Benfica and a whole load more defender. It's Scott Minto who's back with us. Here's what's coming up on the programme.
2: It's, it's always the Glazers' fault, particularly the uh, the influx of Galatasaray fans in the home sections at Old Trafford, um, paying top dollar for hospitality tickets.
0: And maybe it's a question of Marcus Rashford as well. He needs to be dropped for a game and actually realise that he can be and he's got to try and find his, his mojo again. It seems to me that, you know, there's not only that win against Brentford, but that win at Villa Park in the Cup as well was all just lost
2: complete momentum with that result against Luton. No, it's nonsense and I think Jürgen Klopp knows it's nonsense. I'm slightly surprised he wasn't laughing his head off when he said it. And You have to question the motivation. What is Liverpool's ultimate aim here? Is it to get that game replay because they know that there's no precedent for that and they know that it can't possibly happen? Definitely think it was Grattan's catalogue. Uh, did you ever get anything from the
1: Grattan's catalogue, did you? Uh, my first pair of, like, you know, proper trainers when you're a kid, um, and you're sort of battering your, your mum and dad, saying, any chance of, like, a pair of Reebok pumps? Uh, um, and the first time I got them was from the catalogue, where my mum could pay them off about £2 a week.
0: I- I've no idea what the Grattan's catalogue is. I remember the Littlewoods catalogue back it's in is, my day. Oh, it's just absolute footballer, that is. That is absolute footballer,
1: chat. Um, uh, crookie, you must have been a catalogue boy, surely. You are like me.
2: Uh, know the Argos catalogue, I think. I don't, you can't get any clothes <laughs> in there, can you? <laughs> no, that's where you did no, shop. No, no, all right, fair enough. Anyway,
1: um, it was a catalogue of uh European disappointments on Tuesday. Uh, Wednesday was a little bit better for the English clubs. In fact, it was pretty seismic for Newcastle United. I did that game, it was unbelievable. Uh, Wednesday night was. Well, it was, it was a few twists in the tails uh, there for uh, Manchester City. And Thursday, wow. I mean, you had Brighton coming back from 2-0 down away in Marseille, which is terrific. You had uh, Liverpool putting out a really strong team and just about getting over the line against Union saint Um And Aston Villa, who really struggled without their first team and then needing to bring on their first team as well. So a lot to get into with that ahead of a big Premier League weekend. And it's a massive Premier League weekend. As well, isn't it? What are your key takeaways? Don't do Manchester United crap because we'll do that in just a second. Um, and there's probably more than just one takeaway uh, from that. That's a veritable Uber Eats um, list there that we've got to get through. Um, what are the key things from the week that you're going to take into the weekend?
2: I think it was interesting to hear Roberto De Zerbi admit publicly that Brighton aren't playing particularly well at this moment in time. Obviously, they've got a huge game at home to Liverpool on Sunday. Uh, And we did the West Ham game. James Ward-Prowse, eight goal involvements now. He set up the winning goal in eight appearances for the Hammers. And he still can't get in the England squad. I think if he can't get called up at this moment in time, then he probably never will again under Gareth Southgate.
1: Yeah, unlikely that uh, he is going to. They talk a lot, and they did in the press conference, about recency bias. And Aston Villa have got Oli Watkins scoring goals for fun. He scored them at the, the weekend. Two
0: hat-tricks already this season. Was he right to be included, Scott? I don't know what much more he, he could have done. I think injuries probably did it a favour even more. But the the way he's playing, the way he's scoring goals... Uh, absolutely. No John McGinn, of course, able to play in the England squad, but he got the winner late, late, late on for Aston Villa. But as as Crookie was saying, we both did the West Ham game. So really pleased that, that West Ham got the win, but disappointed that James Ward-Prowse isn't in there. I, I really think he can't do much more. I hope Crookie's wrong in terms of he won't have a chance as long as Gareth Southgate is manager, but he may well be right. Time to
1: tuck into the weekend's Premier League action. We're going to start Old Trafford
0: uh, because Manchester United are
1: looking to avoid a third home defeat in a row.
2: It's Premier League football just the way we like it on Talk Sport. Adebayo turns, shoots, scores! You know, we hope that it lasts for a long, long time. Bedlam in Bedfordshire. And by Dom, the equaliser. Well, you know, my role is to, to make sure that we... Yeah, I continue down this path Feel as if something special is brewing here at Tottenham Manchester United Vance heading for the exit It is going completely, completely wrong
0: uh, We have to do better And um, it's the simple fact We have to win our game. He under the goalkeeper
1: And in, Brian Ambromo scores Brentford's third goal Where
0: well, we played seven games One bad performance Six good, very good performances Never,
1: ever predict What happens in the Premier League it's one of those where you open up the mics and just let him go. 32 home games, unbeaten, now potentially facing a third home defeat on the trot. Um, you have quite a lot of hair to pull out there, Crook. Um, Galatasaray game, probably before we, we analyse it, we should ask you the uh, the ultimate question. Was it the great Glazers'
0: fault?
2: <laughs> yep, as always. It's, it's always the Glazers' fault. Particularly the, uh, the influx of Galatasaray fans in the home sections. At Old Trafford um, paying top dollar for hospitality tickets. Obviously, there's been an investigation launched, but it doesn't take a genius to work out how that happened. Um, I'm sure that will unfold in the fullness of time. But do you know what? Annoyingly, going forward, they looked all right at times. I thought Hoyland was terrific. I mean, the camera panned to him after he scored that second solo wonder goal. And then they conceded immediately afterwards. And the, the expression on Hoyland's face was, what more can I do? You know, you scored two goals, you get a third one narrowly chalked out for offside and you end up on the losing team. It reminds me of when Robert Pozinecki scored a hat-trick for Portsmouth and didn't end up winning. Um, probably a reference for you and I, Sam, more than, more than Scott. But yeah, I think there was some good stuff from Manchester United, but defensively, the nature of the goals they conceded was absolutely terrible. And I'm sorry, we, we, we've seen enough now Anana's not a better goalkeeper than David De Gea. I've not seen him make a save yet. Tell me if I'm wrong. I don't remember a save that Anana has made. That's before you get into the the error that got Casemiro sent off.
1: Well, listen, um, you were the one berating David De Gea at the end of his tenure at um, Old Trafford. He made mistakes in the FA Cup final and you said it was time for him to leave. And the little ball genius got him out the door and now you're not happy about... The replacement, I always felt I didn't think they needed to spend that money in that area, but that was just my personal point of view. You mentioned that game that Prozoneski scored a hat-trick in, and that was against Barnsley. And actually, I think Barnsley probably could have defended a little bit better than Manchester United (laughs) on Tuesday night. Um, Because all of the goals that, that Galatasaray scored were highly preventable, weren't they, Scott?
0: Yeah, they were. And, you know, Casemiro, for as good as he was on the ball, um, looks like he needs players around him with legs. It looks like the, the set other midfield players don't quite know how to protect him and the back four. Uh, you've got wide players who don't want to work hard for the team without the ball, and you've got someone. And look, I get it with Amrabat in terms of struggling for left backs at the moment; they're not fit. But we see, we saw, and you took the the Mick out of me a little bit, Sam, with last year with Bernardo Silva. Playing at left back, saying, you know, do we need left backs anymore? And I think we saw after a few games there. You know, <laughs> I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't. Uh, <laughs> no, but you know, there's, <laughs> there's only a people can play in different positions if they're not used to it for a few games. But you can't do that on a regular basis. And and I felt that Amrabat was always going to be someone after the Palace game midweek, where where United won quite easily. That Roy Hodgson would be trying to sort of target that and I think Galatasaray did as well you, know, you can't blame him he's a very good ball player but a couple of goals came down on that side and you know even the ball he played up which ended up being the winner and I agree with you Crookie, about Inanna in terms of he's not made a save yet but I still do think you've got to give him time I mean David De Gea don't forget when he first came to the club was yeah, struggling on crosses and then he became you know the best player for about five years on the spin so you've got to give the guy time but they're not in a good place at the moment united are really really struggling the problem is where a lot of teams even if they're not winning games they look like they've got a style and the little ball genius is not quite looking like a little ball genius anymore so there's 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 a lot of issues he's got to sort out because if they're not careful they'd be almost as bad as chelsea
1: yeah oh, hold on careful <laughs> uh, chelsea have won two games in uh, in a row haven't they they've beaten fulham and they've beaten brighton uh, this is revelatory stuff. We'll get on to them, um, but with uh, they have been very unlucky at left back. I think when you think that they've lost not only Malacia, Luke Shaw, but then straight away Sergio Reglion as well. That's, I mean, that's unfortunate, isn't it? At
2: the best of is times, it, is it bad luck that that United have had so many injuries, or is there an issue with the medical department?
1: Well, I think that a lot of teams are having a lot of teams are having problems with. Um, um, injuries aren't they? I think there's a proliferation of games. I think that's something that we've talked about a lot now and a lot of managers are talking about it, you know, the amount of football that people are playing. Season went on till the end of May last year. Everyone was back early July going on pre-season tours. Slightly surprised um that you know some of the teams didn't rotate in, in midweek and you know we we'll get onto Arsenal a little bit later on, you know, they picked up a big injury ahead of a huge game at the weekend and that's because they haven't been managing the minutes but when you're in a pressurised environment and you're trying to win games, and right at this moment in time, Eric Ten Hag is under so much pressure. He needs to win games. He can't really afford just to take a back seat and, and, and play, you know, the reserves, or if they, it's not probably the right word, but you can't rotate in key positions. So he's found himself maybe a little bit unfortunate. I think you're right to point out maybe that they did a little bit of overtraining in the summer. That's certainly been something that's been sort of indicated to us on a couple of occasions. But look, they're in a situation here where they need to beat Brentford at the weekend. Because if you beat Brentford, okay, it's job done. But if you lose to Brentford, that's a team that haven't won in five Premier League games. They're struggling this season as well. And all hell is going to break loose if you lose another game at Old Trafford.
2: That's just in my house, by the way. I was fuming in midweek. And and then driving home from the game that I've been covering at Luton, my tyre exploded. And and you know what? I was ready to explode at that moment in time. So... Yes, they do. Is that need the Glazers' fault? Yeah, the, yeah, the Glazers uh, didn't put enough uh, air in the tire. Clearly, uh, they certainly left me feeling deflated. But you're right; they they do need a victory. And, and you know what? I've I've got nothing to back this up, but I just got a feeling they're going to get one. And I, I've got such a strong feeling that in my fantasy team this week, I've dropped Erling Haaland and I've put in Rasmus Hoyland. Bold, really bold. Did you change your own tire, by the way? <laughs> uh, no. Uh, A kindly motorist did it for me. Do I look like a type of bloke who can change a tyre? You've known me long enough to know that I can't change tyres.
1: Everybody can change a
2: (laughs) tyre. I couldn't even work out to use the jack.
0: (laughs) I bet you didn't even know where it
1: was. (laughs) (laughs) Oh dear, all right. Okay, well, good job that you're not there uh, in charge of uh, the transport for Manchester United because that would go flat too. Um, Rashford's got a problem as well for me he's not playing particularly well we've mentioned this a number of times I've said it all season I, you had a go at me after the the Arsenal game suggesting that he'd he done well in that match and uh, to be honest with you I just haven't seen it I haven't seen it all season I think he's he's fine at times going forward but you don't get into a situation like he got into if you're a top-level striker and not be able to find a finish from that sort of range when your team desperately need a goal. You've got to somehow come up with something. But as has been the case, I think, for most of the season, he's been double-thinking. Every time he gets the ball, he's, he's confusing his head as to what's going to come next. Does that happen a lot, Scott?
0: Um, yeah, I always double-think when I'm about to work with Krookie. Um But, it, <laughs> do, do you know, I, I said last... you would be double-thinking about getting in a car with him now, Well, that's absolutely. For sure. I said last season to you as well about Marcus Rashford and, and Cookie came back with, oh, look at the amount of goals he scored. And I said, yeah, but it's kind of in fits and spurts. And, you know, it, for a long time before that, he wasn't the player that, that we that sort of bounced onto the scene. And I just wonder, is is he one of those that just just hot and cold, hot and cold, He's streak, he's a streaky player. And when he's on form, he's really on form. and He's bordering on world class. But not only does he not look, look like he's, double thinking when he's got the ball but he's not even working hard for the team without the ball and that's the major problem and there comes a point where I remember saying to one manager at one time and saying look you seem to be dropping a few of us uh, the same people without actually dropping the real big guys and they said well I haven't really got the same amount of people or same quality to to come in and I said yeah but if these people know they're playing week in week out they need, subconsciously, they know that they haven't got that edge and they're still going to be playing in the following game. So, and maybe it's a question of Marcus Rashford as well. He needs to be dropped for a game and actually realise that he can be and he's got to try and find his, his mojo again just to, to come back because we know a fit and firing Marcus Rashford. For me, I'd not only have him on the United side, I'd have, been, I'd have him in the, in the England side as well, but he's a million miles from that at the moment. Are you surprised he got called up? Yes. Yes. I think there's there's other players there that could that could claim that that they should be there on form, and it's going to be really interesting to see how he does. And you know, and if he doesn't play, then what was the point of calling him up in the first place? So, I, I, I want to see I want to see a fit and firing Marcus Rashford. I want to see when he things are not going particularly well. He's still working really hard for the team. He's he's tracking back and he hasn't done that for United at the moment. And it just feels like he's got this ego that he doesn't feel like he. He needs to track back, even if he isn't playing particularly well, and, and and that's not what the top players do. That's not what the top top players do.
1: Well, look, it's a massive game on on Saturday, and look, when you really need a victory and you're desperately down in the dumps and you need to put three points on the board, you know that atmosphere at Old Trafford. It's always a place that that lifts you and makes you achieve your best. So there's every chance that Brentford could get on back on track and get all three points at the weekend. Uh, Bournemouth against Everton is Saturday and the Cherries yet to win this season, despite a summer of heavy recruitment and a big pursuit
2: of Andoni Iraola. Is he under pressure, Crook? I don't think so at this moment in time. Um, Certainly the fans are quite patient. I think the powers that be are are relatively relaxed because I was looking at it again today. If you look at the seven games they've played, they've played five of the top seven. They've gone to Brentford, which despite the fact Brentford aren't in great form, their home record since the start of last season is very good. And they played Chelsea at home and got a point, which under normal circumstances would be a decent result. So I think they've come through their tough run of fixtures. This next trio of games, either side of the international break is huge. Everton away. Uh, Then they've got Wolves in the the Gary O'Neill derby. He'll want to come back and prove a point. And they've got Burnley. So I think... If they're still winless after those three games, then questions will be asked about the decision to dispense with Gary and and to appoint somebody untried in the the Premier League. But this could be a good fixture for Bournemouth. Um, Everton, bizarrely, have only won once at home since the middle of March. And I think we associate Goodison Park as being a bit of a fortress for Everton. They've lost all four games there this season. I think there's going to be more pressure on Everton to deliver than there is on the cherries. And that might just bring out the best of them. So I, I think Bournemouth are more than capable of getting a positive result this weekend. I think it could be a good day for Dominic Solanke, who's been their main goal threat so far this season, former Liverpool player. he's publicly admitted he has England ambitions. So, yeah, I, I think things could improve for Bournemouth this weekend. They might just get worse for Everton.
1: Everton's home form has been dreadful for, for quite some time, hasn't it, Scott? That, that's that been a huge issue for them, even at the end of of last season. Their only victory... It, what since what March was against Bournemouth in in the home game, there they've they've had a terrible time at home. And actually, you know, they did all their good work in that game against Brentford, where they got a three one victory away from home. Everyone was buzzing, thinking this would be the the turning point. Sean Dyche was telling us that our eyes were completely wrong, and that Everton were playing fine. It was just results that were going against them. There were fine margins in games that were going against them, and then they took on Luton and lost two one at home. So. This is just as big for Everton as it is for Bournemouth, maybe arguably bigger for Everton. I think it
0: is bigger. I mean the cricket, first of all in terms of Bournemouth, absolutely right that you know the teams they have played, I think they looked at the start of the season and thought Oof, that's a tough fixture list, and the problem is if you start even if it is tough and everyone says well you've got to play everyone twice, but if you're on a losing run, when you go into the games that you think you should be winning you're you're lowing low on confidence, but these three games are massive um for Bournemouth, but you're right in terms of Everton. You know, we talk about this Goodison-Faithful and how the, you know, they'll sort of suck the, the, the ball into the back of the net. But it seems to me that, you know, there's not only that win against Brentford, but that win at Villa Park in the Cup as well was all just lost complete momentum with that result against Luton. You know, I I was in the Talk Sports studios and I said, they have to win that game. It's almost a must win because otherwise you're going back to square one. And that's where they I feel they are right now. And again, we talk about... The, home, the, the sort of home crowd, and that's where you need to pick up the points. But actually, that home crowd can put you under so much pressure that you almost go out there, not so much paralysed by fear, but lacking in confidence. And and that's what we're seeing with Goodison Park at the moment. I don't think the players can handle playing at home.
1: Well, Everton uh, have said that. I mean, Sean Dyche himself has said, we have a, a real problem, and it's a big worry, and it is at Goodison Park. Um, I did see that late last night... there was a sort of um, suggestion that um, the new owners of um, Everton have been written to by the um, owners of other clubs down the bottom of the table. I think Burnley, one of those. Sheffield United, another one of those. Possibly, who was the other one that was down at Burnley, I think as well. Suggesting that um, they were asking the 777 partners whether they are aware that there is a plan to sue Everton on behalf of those clubs should the... Premier League find them guilty of misdemeanours at the tribunal at the end of this month. So things could get very bad for Everton very quickly. There could be a lot of off the field goings on that are going to contribute to further financial woes for them. Uh, Luton against Spurs is live on TalkSport at 12.30 on Saturday. We'll get into Spurs shortly, but Crookie has spent some time with Rob Edwards this week. Let's find out what he's had to say
2: you know the performances have been good and you know we had not quite got the rewards that I thought we were due I thought we deserved to win against Wolves and there was a really good performance against Fulham the week before that you know we didn't get any points from the game but we created big chances and we we're looking a lot more solid and yeah to get it especially away from home because it's difficult any any Premier League game especially away from home is tough to tough to win so uh it was a nice one it was a great feeling I was proud of the lads really pleased for the football club and I thought yeah it was something that we deserve but my mindset then quickly turned to that. What's next? Because we had a game quickly then on Tuesday and you start thinking about, right, great, but, you know, on to the next one.
1: Yeah, and look, they got their first win uh, last week away at Relegation Rival. That was a massive boost for them. They now welcome Spurs there. It's a big occasion. The television cameras are there. The talk sport microphones are there. It's going to be a a big afternoon at the Kenny. Um, Spurs got away with one, I I think, a little bit and that's a bit of a habit for them because they got away with a, a victory against Liverpool. They dragged themselves back into the game against Arsenal, they, they seem to get results like they did against Sheffield United when they haven't been perfect, but still end up managing to take three points. And, and and they've had a good season in that regard. But that luck will run out at some stage, won't it? I don't think it'll run out here, but how impressive really have Ange Postacoglu and his team been when you look at it in the cold light of day, Scott?
0: No, I, I think the... Um... You know, the Man U game, when it got to half time, it was like, OK, who's going to step up? And they stepped up. I think if you look at the game against Arsenal, they did really well. And, and when they were under pressure, they hung in there. And then actually at different parts of that second half, it looked like they'd go on and win it. But I think a draw was a fair result and fair play to them. The Liverpool game would have been another barometer, but with the sendings off. But but especially with the VAR as well, the, the debacle that was that we just don't know. But that would have been another great barometer. So we can't even really judge that game. What I would say is what I've seen in the Arsenal game is Ange Postecoglou has turned things around completely. And he's got everybody on the front foot and he's got the fans behind the team as well. So they're playing good football. And even if they go a goal down, it feels like everyone's in it as one. So look, we still can't 100% judge them. But I think with that Arsenal game, I think they showed that they've improved no end. And I'm with you. I I think Luton, if they are to stay up, which I don't think they will, they have to pick up points at home. I don't think they'll be picking up any points here.
1: Uh, Six Premier League goals for Son already this season, second only to Haaland in the league. Impressive by Postacoglu to revive his fortunes after a quiet season last year. Is he going to have a field day at Kenilworth Road?
2: I hope so. Uh, because he's my fantasy captain. And um, I, I think it's interesting, actually. We've spoken a lot about Ollie Watkins and his sort of emergence as Villa's main man up front since they sold Danny Ings and how that seems to have brought the best out of him. And in a way, I think it's comparable to the Son situation. Obviously, he spent a lot of time supplying Harry Kane, wouldn't necessarily say being Harry Kane's shadow, but he certainly wasn't the main man at Tottenham. He is now. He's got the captain's armband. He's playing in that centre-forward position. He's finishing his opportunities. And I think he's become the Spurs talisman. And he's got the type of personality and the type of character to carry that on his shoulders. And it will bring the best out of him. Yeah, hi, Rob. Yeah, yeah, they're
1: all out of order for disrespecting (laughs) you. Um, But yes, I have made Son my fantasy captain this weekend. (laughs) (laughs) If he's your new best mate, I'd hate to be your enemy. Right, on to Sunday. Uh, busy day in the Premier League, topped top off with a pivotal clash at the top of the Premier League.
0: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment.
1: The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.
0: The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at Labrooks.com. 18+, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply.
1: Two sides with contrasting results in Europe this week. I did the Arsenal game on Tuesday night and two things stood out to me. Um, they ran out of ideas. They've got a lot of players that are very similar and want to do the same thing and they really lack pace when you haven't got Saka and you haven't got Martinelli to go in behind. And I think that's going to be a bit of a problem for them. They're lucky they're coming up against a team that haven't got Rodri in the middle of their park and I know that, that was a problem for um, Manchester City at the weekend. Let's first of all talk about Saka. Um, I did a a sort of video about it on uh, Monday. Perry Groves mentioned it on the podcast on Sunday night. You know, the managing of his minutes has not been prudent over the course of the last year. I know this is great that he's got this record where he's played 87 Premier League games in a row. Well done. That's fantastic. But that's only fantastic if he can contribute for all of those games rather than having to be taken off or having to be uh, withdrawn or his impact is lessened because he's injured, Scott. You've got to protect this talent, right? And they didn't do that. And now he's in a situation where he he may well end up missing a couple of matches. Certainly, it's unlikely he'll play in this one. Yeah,
0: no, I I actually texted Perry on Monday and I said, I I heard you on the Sunday session and and, and I totally agree with you. Look... I think when you're going to play the same player for 87 games in a row, at some point he's going to get injured. At some point, everybody gets injured and then people are going to throw that at you. The question is, did he need to play in this particular game? Now, if they didn't have Manchester City at the weekend, I would say, well, look, it's, it's an away game. You're still trying to impose yourself in the Champions League group. It's a difficult game, which it proved to be. You need to play your best players. But I just feel that the Man City game was the bigger game. And look, I can't tell Mikel Arteta what to do. And they've obviously got the, the, the red zone and green zone and know whether he's fit or not. But he, we know that he's had niggles during games. So why play him in this one? Why not just have him on the bench, see how the game goes and bring him on if need be? Because I genuinely believe that Arsenal... Look, Arsenal wouldn't be out of the title race if they lose this game. But I do think it's a must-win for Arsenal because this is the one time where they can actually have that head-to-head to know that they're getting three points and City aren't getting any. And and for them to lose City against Wolves, it's an even bigger opportunity for Arsenal to go above them now. So you need to play your best players in that game. So absolutely, I think it was the wrong thing to do.
1: I actually think the option to drop him or rest him or rotate him came away at Bournemouth the previous Saturday. He yeah. maybe didn't need to t- take that trip. He could have stayed at home, maybe played 60 minutes against uh, Lons on Tuesday night and therefore may have been a, an option for longer for Mikel Arteta and then he could have come off and, and, and played on Sunday against Manchester City. I think it's not a knee-jerk reaction, this. It's more of a sort of a, look at the state of play over the course of the last year and a half Are they doing enough on a regular basis to manage the minutes of this guy? Not whether or not he played in France on Tuesday night or whatever, but I just think cumulatively he's probably played too much. The key question there is probably about what Scott said about, are they out of the title race if they lose this game? I think they have to win this. I think this is a game where you just sort of turn around to everybody and say, by the way, we're still here. It sends a great message if you put three points on the board on Sunday if you're Arsenal.
2: Yeah, I think it's too early even by my standards, to say if they lose, they're out of the title race because I actually don't think Manchester City, for all that we've lauded them so far this season, are, are in fantastic fetal. I, I think actually, arguably Liverpool, have been more impressive of the three teams so far this season. But in terms of sending out a statement, when you look at Arteta's record in the league against Guardiola, this is a massive opportunity, bearing in mind that we don't think City are quite their best. Haaland certainly... Hasn't been able to get a hat-trick now this weekend. But I think it's hard to make a case for Arsenal winning without Bakayo Saka. I think he's their best player. And I think with that in mind, actually, I'll come down on your side of the coin, Sam. If you're going to rest him for a game, it probably should have been at Bournemouth, particularly as he had a knock going into it. I think your first Champions League away game for a number of years against a team who'd only lost, what, twice in their previous 27 home games? I think you have to send out your best team. Arteta did that. It's unfortunate that Saka's picked up an injury. But if he left him out and they lost, he'd have got hammered for that as well. Do you
1: think that maybe in this great squad-building splurge that they've gone on over the course of the last six months, they did it in January and then have done it again in the summer, that what they've neglected to do is to find a backup for Bakayo Saka? Because... Everywhere else on the pitch, they seemingly
0: have two players everywhere, but they don't have an alternative to him, Scott. I think when someone's that good, there is no such alternative, like a Kevin De Bruyne, like a Rodri. But you want players to slip in to, to that position. They're not going to quite do the same job. You know, you, if you talk about wide players, obviously Martínez is in, injured. You've got Trossard, you've got Jesus. Um, you could play Kai Havertz out wide. I just think Saka is that good that Mikel Arteta... And different profiles, right? Because he's very tricky
1: and he's also got this wonderful burst of speed that takes him past players. Nobody else in the squad really has got no. that now, especially with Martinelli injured yeah, as well.
0: Yeah, I, I think he's... And it, it's a testament to the youngster, The way, he, even though I'm, I call him the youngster because I want to accentuate, he's still very young. But he's been Arsenal's best player for the last three or four seasons. Even before Arsenal were doing well, You know, he was their best player and sometimes carrying them. So I understand the reliance to a point And I feel, you know, I I like Mikel Arteta. I like everything he represents. I like the fact that he reflects Pep Guardiola and you know what I think about him. But at times you're thinking, there's got to be a point where you have to rest this guy. He cannot go on like this. He he will pick up an injury. And I'm afraid it was inevitable. And it's just a real shame for Arsenal. He's picked up an injury before what is a must-win game. Look, I agree. They're not out the title race. It is still early. If they lose the game, but they, it's almost a must win game because as I say, they, this is against the best team in the world who we know in the second half of the season will go on strong. You have to strike now, whenever you play them, you have to win that game.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I think this is an opportunity, especially with Harlan not being in great form, Rodri not playing in the game, I think this is a chance, this is a moment that they got to seize Arsenal. If they can do that, then I think it uh, not only sends a message, but it gives them the confidence that without Bukayo Saka, without maybe some of their other players that are injured at this moment in time, they've still got the opportunity to take City all the way. Um, five Champions League games without a goal for Haaland, who was scoring them for fun over his whole career, whoever he was playing for. Uh, he's still the top scorer in the Premier League with eight. But Julian Alvarez... He has been absolutely sensational for them. Is he currently their most important player,
2: Crook? I think he's been their best attacking player at the start of this season. Um, and maybe it was inevitable that Haaland might have a bit of a drop-off after the ridiculous number of goals that he scored last season, wins the treble in his first year in English football. And obviously, Alvarez is at a, at a different stage of his career. He's at the development stage. But yeah, I think he's... I think he's probably a better all-round footballer than Haaland. And, and you might say that's controversial, but I think he's, got, he's certainly more skillful. Um, I think he's got a little bit more guile. I think you know what you're going to get from Haaland. He's, he's, he's brute force. He's a, he's a predator. He's probably the best number nine that we've ever seen. But I think, I think Alvarez is really exciting. And, and it's ridiculous when you look at the relatively low transfer fee that City were able to pull that one off with seemingly little competition. What are the scouts doing at all the other big clubs in the Premier League?
1: Let's move on to Brighton against Liverpool because it's a really big day on Sunday. We'll reflect all the action on the uh, Sunday session. Uh, Brighton obviously did brilliantly to come back from 2-0 down against Marseille. Marseille cut them open rather easily, though, in that first half. Liverpool winning, but missing chances. Darwin Nunez missed an unbelievable chance. And me and Scott have been championing his calls for a long time. But boy, does he miss some chances um, and I was with uh, Guy Mowbray, who was doing the commentary uh, for the World Feed tonight. And he said he's almost missed what could be categorized as a sitter. Uh, and I said to him, you've been a bit generous there. And he said, well, you know, mitigating circumstances. But it was an open goal. It was a real gaff. Um, luckily for Liverpool, they went on to win the game. No worries. But I do fear for Brighton a little bit. Despite the suspensions, I was surprised Curtis Jones didn't play from the start because he's not going to be able to play on Sunday. Despite the suspensions, there's a lot of firepower there in that Liverpool team. And Brighton have started to concede quite a lot of goals. They
0: haven't kept a clean sheet all season, Scott. Yeah, that's right. And, and I was talking to Crookie off-air when we were working on the West Ham game that I said at the start of the season that I thought the Thursday, Sunday, when teams aren't used to it, it would affect them um, in the Premier League. It's probably affected them more in Europe, actually, but but obviously they got hammered at Villa Park. I, I love watching them play. It's an amazing story, but it is a lot to ask them to do, you know, really well in the Europa League and carry on what they're doing in the league. And I think in this particular game, okay, you know, he made changes and they've come back really well so they'll take positives from that but i still think you know the travelling okay it's not as it's not that far it's not that bad but they won't be sleeping well on on thursday night it's going to take them time to to get back to sleep the the body clock will be all over the place the wednesday saturday thursday sunday it's thursday sunday is normally more difficult because actually i think that the teams who are playing on a thursday don't have the squads to be able to deal with it and brighton haven't been in that situation before Liverpool have. And they have got a deep squad. They played at home. And I fancy Liverpool for this game.
1: Uh, Liverpool be chomping at the bit after the VAR disaster last weekend. Um, I'm not sure I was behind the way that they dealt with it post-Sunday. I thought Jurgen Klopp was really good in post-match interviews after the match against Tottenham. I thought I've said that on the podcast. But then subsequently, they just made a series of statements, which I just thought, guys, You've handled it well. You've looked like the bigger club. You've looked like the, you know, you've looked like the Statesman. And now you've just, you know, reduced yourself to, to silliness, really. I understand that it's emotive and Liverpool fans will feel as if that, that, that they deserve to have something from that game. And I get that, right? Because they were, they played brilliantly. And to play so well in nine men was impressive. And to have a goal like that taken away from them is, is ridiculous. And we all know that. But calling for a replay, come on. It's, it's, that's, it's just not going to happen, is
2: it? No, it's nonsense. And I think Jurgen Klopp knows it's nonsense. I'm slightly surprised he wasn't laughing his head off when he said it. And you have to question the motivation. What What is Liverpool's ultimate aim here? Is it to get that game replay because they know that there's no precedent for that and they know that it can't possibly happen? Because if you did that, I'd go back to United-Porto in 2004 and demand a a replay because Paul Scholes was onside and United would have won the Champions League. Mourinho would never have done that jig down the touchline and the special one may never have come to Chelsea. Um, But I think actually what Liverpool are trying to do here is put pressure on the PGMOL, put pressure on referees, that when they take charge of Liverpool games in the future, they are going to go above and beyond to make sure that that type of of error doesn't happen again, and B...
1: They should be going above and beyond to make sure that error never happens again anyway.
2: I agree, but what I was going to say is, if there's a 50-50 decision at Brighton on Sunday, I wouldn't mind betting the majority of those go in Liverpool's favour this weekend.
1: Oh, you cynical. You're so cynical. Controversial. Unbelievable. Yeah, it is a bit controversial. They've got a lot of weapons going forward, and I think they're starting to play quite well, Liverpool. I think they're in a good vein of form i was surprised that Salah started in midweek but ultimately you know he obviously wants to play they want they want to play him um obviously no jota no curtis jones for them this weekend um that's on sunday so is west ham against newcastle uh what a night on wednesday night for newcastle i was delighted i got to do this for the world feed um it was brilliant television it was just absolute box office stuff they were excellent Kylian Mbappe didn't get a kick all night. I mean, how do you how do you now go to West Ham and replicate a performance like that, Scott? I mean, I mean, West Ham actually probably pretty pleased about the fact that it went so well for Newcastle because I
0: doubt they've they've started to come down yet. Well, I, I was actually at the London Stadium uh, before I, I commentated with Crookie on the the West Ham game, and it's an amazing stadium, it really is. But it it and it feels wrong to say this, but it will be a little bit of after the Lord Mayor's show, after what it was like um, on Tuesday. <laughs> you know, and, and and I remember saying, I think it was the Sheffield United game after match day one, wasn't it? I don't know how they're going to react against, uh, after playing that <laughs> Milan. <laughs> well, they they did pretty well reacting uh, <laughs> after that. So, look, I think they're capable of doing it. I think Eddie Howe has got them in a, a mental situation where, OK, it was a bit of a tricky start to the season, but I don't think they were playing badly. And I said about how, I don't. They didn't deserve to lose against Liverpool. They were the better side. They should have put the game to bed before Darwin Nunez came on. Um, I, I just like what I'm seeing with them. They're 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 completely united. If this was at St James's Park, I'd be saying I'm sorry, West Ham. I fancy definitely fancy a, a Newcastle win. But I think it's going to be interesting because West Ham are used to doing Thursday Sunday now, so it won't take a lot out of them mentally and physically in the way that it would do for a lot of clubs. And I, I can see actually quite um quite a good game and, and reasonably open a, a, a score draw here.
1: 16 wins from 17 European games for West Ham. Um, how comparable is that run in Europe to the very best, bearing in mind that a huge dollop of those matches happened in the Conference League?
2: Yeah, I think it's a good point. I mean, they're the first English team to go 17 European games unbeaten. That's a, a brilliant achievement and another brilliant Achievement for David Moyes, having taken charge of his 900th league game last weekend. 16 was the record Pep Guardiola's current Manchester City side. The great Leeds team under Don Revy back in the 60s and the Tottenham team that won the double under Bill Nicholson in the 70s. So I think if you compare this West Ham team to those three, then you do have to caveat it with the fact that most of the games they won last season you would have expected to. I think Scott and I felt going into this game in Germany that maybe... Freiburg would be one of the most difficult sides they've faced since the start of that run, but they were poor. So, yeah, I, I understand where you're coming from, but you, I wouldn't take it away from West Ham. And I think after a difficult summer in which they sold their best player, they struggled to get deals over the line. They've got a decent team now. You know, we've mentioned. Jarrod Bowen, for me, is playing the best football of his career. Pakitar has done a really good job of putting that, betting allegation to the back of his mind that he's playing well, although he's a bit sloppy in times in midweek. I think we're still to see the best of uh, Kudus, but that will come. Defensively, they look strong. I think they're going to have a good season, West Ham.
1: Yeah, They've got a bit more of a, a squad depth them as well, haven't they, Scott, now? Um, but can they trouble Newcastle United?
0: I, I wonder whether Michel Antonio is going to be okay. And, you know, Cook and I discussed about how They do look really good. Defence looks strong. Um, Emerson came on. I think he's a much better left back and he isn't an an out and out left back. Alvarez is another one alongside James Ward Prowse. You know, two really good buys there. I think Kudos shows that he will be a talent. Jared Bowen is playing well and he's be buoyed off the back of being in the England squad. But there's not that out and out number nine in form if Mikel Antonio isn't playing. They rely on him a lot. Danny Ings hasn't really done it at at West Ham. Um, And the young lad, Devin Mubama, he's he's a big talent, but it's too much to rely on him. Can they hurt Newcastle? I thought Newcastle were nothing short of sensational against PSG. You know, I've heard people say um, Mbappe bottled it. He didn't bottle it. I wonder whether he wasn't quite up for it. But that was totally wrong in terms of the atmosphere. It was incredible. As I say, I don't think they're going to hurt Newcastle in the way that they can hurt other players because Newcastle are defensively very strong. But I still feel that they'll get something out of this game. They won't win, but I do think it will end up a draw.
1: And Callum Wilson missed the game in midweek because of an injury. We um, don't know how bad that injury is and if he's going to miss this week as well. Alexander Rizek got whack on the head, had to be bandaged up, had to have stitches at half-time. Um, it was a, a brilliant victory and they were so cohesive and so well worked. What I thought was really impressive and what I do think has been really impressive about Newcastle is that Sven Botman has stepped out of the team because he's injured and uh, Jamal Sells has looked like he's never been away. He's done brilliantly just to slip into that centre-half position. And I think when they tried it earlier in the season and they put Dan Byrne in the middle, it really caused them a problem. It hamstrung them because they, they Byrne hasn't played that position for a long time and he just he, he wasn't ready. But... Jamal Lasells has done brilliantly, I think, to, to form a partnership with Fabian Cher, who is, is turning out to be an excellent defender and someone who progresses the ball up the pitch really quickly. And I like that. Longstaff's playing well, got a lot of legs in him. Bruno Guma-Reich has signed his new contract or has agreed his new contract now. And he looks like he's taking charge of big games now as well. So there's a lot of positives for that Newcastle sign under Eddie Howe.
2: Yeah, I agree. And actually, there's a few points that you've raised there. One, if you look at people like Lascelles and Cher in particular, Joe Linton, they're players that when the big money came in from Saudi Arabia, you probably expected would not have a future at Newcastle. So credit to Eddie Howe and his coaching staff that they've managed to revitalise certain individuals. You mentioned Longstaff. We've spoken about the England squad, how Kelvin Phillips gets called up and Sean Longstaff doesn't on form this season, I think is, is a real mystery. And I think he can't be too far away from getting international recognition. And if Callum Wilson isn't fit, West Ham will be delighted about that because he's got a phenomenal goal-scoring record against them.
1: He's got a phenomenal goal-scoring record against everyone. He just always scores goals. He's a brilliant finisher, isn't he? But uh, he is injured at this moment in time, which is a bit of a problem for him and maybe a bit of a problem uh, for Newcastle United. We've got live commentary of Luton against Tottenham on Saturday at 12.30. Resh is there alongside me and Dean Ashton. Uh, Game Day Live takes you round the grounds with Adrian, Ray Parler, Trevor Sinclair. Uh, We've got all the goals that go in uh, from Burnley to Chelsea, Everton, Bournemouth, Manchester United, Brentford. There should be a lot of goals in that game. Um, Manchester United Premier actually is on TalkSport too this weekend thank you very much for downloading the Premier League All Access uh, podcast from TalkSport we're back Sunday evening uh, when you uh, have finished pouring over all the magnificent football that you've seen to review all of the action
0: the Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes the latest odds we set them form guides we've got them Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds updates on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18+, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply.